1: Hey, this is your host, Paul Twitter Jr., and I'm here to remind you that if you have access to iTunes, we ask that you rate and review the show. That way, we'll be able to climb the charts and continue to deliver bigger and better guests so that we can continue the educated hustle journey. And now, let's start the show. To the Educated Hustle podcast. This is your host, Paul Antivida Jr., and my co host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, man? It's
0: going good, on, man. Once again, we're right back at it, picking up where we left off last week. Of course, this time we bought along a guest. Before we get into that, we got some topics that we want to cover just to give y'all that general vibe and of course the first one is of our guests uh our guests on this week is familiar with it but twitter is actually starting to roll out the use of upping from 140 characters to 280 characters which has caused sort of a mixed reaction between Old time Twitter users and, and new time ones. I haven't really seen anyone who's for it, but I've seen a lot who are against it. <laughs> but uh, I I guess for me, it, it I guess I could see why it's helpful to have more characters because the stuff that you want to say and you don't want to have to use all these abbreviations slangs or take out, you know, letters out of words to make it fit. But then I can also see it to where people want to be able to quickly go through something and don't have to actually sit there and read a longer form. So it it is, a, a I guess, a hot-button issue. But, I mean, good for Twitter, though, because at least they're being talked about, right? Yeah, man. Um,
1: I think Twitter's kind of like – it's funny that people are kind of – up in years about 280 characters because people are already kind of uh, working their way around it by doing those long threads, Mm -hmm. you know, replying to their own posts. So, I mean, to just have Twitter be 280 or to have your tweets be 280 characters, I feel like people are already kind of doing it now just in a different way. So, to me, it just seems like it'd be a good way to already – Increase what your users are already uh, what your users are already used to, and it's probably one of those things that if it gets uh, if it becomes more mainstream, if they allow their users to go over to or uh, to go to two hundred eighty characters, I think people will complain for a little bit, but then will adjust and um get used to it.
0: Yeah, I think it's the aesthetics of it though, because kind of like when you reply to your own stuff. You can you know, scroll up real quickly to get past it, but with 280 characters, it's going to be a larger block of text and walls, so it's going to take up more space. So I can see why people are kind of up in arms with it. You know, when we promote the podcast, I, I, I'd i be lying if I said that extra 280 wouldn't help to get those extra hashtags in, those extra trending topics when we want to get a new episode out to the people. So like I, like I said, I'm mixed, but I can definitely understand where the outrage comes from.
1: Yeah, I guess so, but you know, I think it's one of those things that you know people will get over. Um, so it's like it's not it shouldn't be too too bad. And you know, Facebook has done so many changes over the years that people were up in arms about. You know, I remember when when it went from wall to timeline, mm-hmm. people were a little bit mad about that. But now it's kind of like a normal thing. So it's just one of those things that people are supposed to change because it's always been one hundred and forty. But Eventually,
0: I feel like they get over it. <laughs> this man Paul pulling out that Aaron Rodgers Relax.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man.
1: But, um, you know, uh, besides that, speaking of Twitter, uh, the guest this week, her favorite app is Twitter. We're talking about Miss Chandra Arthur. And if you don't remember, she was one of our first guests that appeared uh, last year on the show, talking about her app, Friendish. And we just wanted to connect with her, man, because she's been doing so many big things. Right, Amelia?
0: Oh, yeah. So many, so many, so many big things. She was on Apple's first ever produced TV series, Planet of the Yaps. So seeing her on there, I, I know me, I found out by just being on Twitter, ironically, and watching the trailer. I was like, wait, wait, is that, is that you? And she was like, yeah, just very nonchalantly, and I was like, my mind was blown. So. it's crazy the journey that she's taken since we've last talked to where she is now because she's done so much evolution so much growth and she is truly one of the proud educated hustle alumni i'm so grateful that we were able to sit back down with her and just reconnect because trust me when i say she has a lot to share like her first episode there was a lot that she was giving out and definitely gave us i remember the insight about you know starting uh filing patents starting your own business you know working with your friends and even sometimes if you have to fire your friends and the sacrifices you have to give to actually be a successful uh, business owner now she kind of comes from like how do you keep the business afloat how are you making deals and stuff to keep your business um in the eyes of the consumers and what's it feeling like working with people who basically are where you're trying to be at and she has really given us a, a full 180 when it comes to the life experience that she basically had in the first episode to now so i'm very excited for you guys to listen to it because there's a lot of growth there's a lot of gems i mean i'm not gonna lie to you i'm just gonna give you a give you a warning we already set the gem thing to just automatic after she was answering just boom 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 to shoot them (laughs) out so you're gonna hear it a lot but yeah she she comes and she tears the house down man i i it it was hard for anyone to top it would be hard for her to top the second episode you know i thought going in but i think she probably might have easily done that with this one I agree
1: bro and um I'm I'm just glad that she's doing well. I know uh you know from this year to last year uh she's been going through a lot of different things as far as like you know having to switch jobs um and to do that as an entrepreneur, you know, that's that's pretty hard and she'll probably come on she'll come on the show and explain you know, what, how she kind of got over the trial and tribulations um, to, you know, where she's at today. Uh, and it's all about networking, and that's going to be a common theme that you hear uh, uh, from her about on the show. And, you know, we bring on these guests, that, and we bring back our guests that we like the most because uh, we want to make sure that you guys are also reaching out to them as well. Uh, If you like their interview, if you want to learn more about them, you know, make sure you're reaching out to the people we bring on the show.
0: Exactly. And Chandra is an excellent person to reach out because I follow her on Twitter so I can personally say she's active. She's out there. and She's ready to connect and, of course, hear from you. But you know what? Enough of me and Paul gushing about her. We're going to let her do her own talking. So after a short commercial break, without no further ado, we'll give you Miss Chandra Arford.
1: Welcome to the Educated Hustle podcast. Today's guest, we have Miss Chandra Arthur, founder of Friendish.
2: What Chandra,
1: up? How you doing today? Glad to have you back on the show.
2: I'm great. I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. It is good to be back.
1: Yeah, definitely. We love to bring, uh, you know, our most prominent guests back on the show to kind of just check in to see where they, uh, you know, have been since we last interviewed. So I know you've had many things happen. Uh, over the last year, you kind of highlight, you know, some of the things that's happened with your brand friend and uh, where that opportunity has taken you so far.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So last time I spoke to you guys was in May, I think we we realized, and since then a lot of stuff has happened. So last summer, and I think it was June or July, I ended up applying for a little thing called Planet of the Apps, which was an Apple Music TV series, or I guess actually Apple Music series. And um, it, the idea was to really showcase the lives of app developers and and show what it's like to actually build an app and try to take it to market and to try to raise money. And so in November, I found out that I was actually selected to be a part of the cast. So I went out to LA and um, I got on the show, which was awesome. I pitched Gary Vee, Jessica Alba, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Will I Am on a very um, you know reality show style pitch escalator which I didn't know about the escalator until the actual day of I'm sorry there's something outside of my house is very loud but just give me a moment no problem um so I didn't know about the escalator until the day we were pitching and that morning back in the green room they were like oh by the way there's this moving elevator or escalator that you're going to have to do your pitch on. So you have a minute. And once you start chatting, or once you start talking, it's going to start just moving. And so just stable yourself so that you don't fall over, obviously. And then that's where you're going to do your pitch. So I was like, Oh, God, great. Another uh, wrench or monkey in the wrench. Um, And so I got down there. But once I actually got in front of the advisors, they were super nice. And Gary V ended up selecting me to be on his team. And yeah, we filmed the show. Um, and then I we didn't raise with Lightspeed be ventures at the end of the show, which is okay. But after that, there was kind of like this waiting period because the show actually premiered in June and we actually wrapped production in February. So there was kind of like four months where I was like kind of just trying to keep a lid on it, but I knew I had this really big thing coming up. Um and so from there, once all of the press and everything got out about the show that I was in the show, naturally, um I realized people don't actually care about you or about what you're doing until you're standing next to someone very credible. Right. So it's like, no one was that interested in me or friendish until I was standing next to Gary. And then it's like, Oh, she did a really cool thing. Like we're interested in writing about this. We care about this now, which is fine. That's how it works. Um, so I was quite happy to take every press opportunity and interview. I've been in the Orlando Sentinel several times. I had an interview with uh, a really nice uh, young woman. Who's also a founder who appeared in my same episode on, in Parade Magazine, I did TEDx Orlando as well. I gave a 10 minute talk on code switching, which is great. Um, and that was really kind of separate from Friendish, really me just personally talking about my experience with code switching. NPR has a whole podcast about it. So check out their Code Switch podcasts for just for more information. And then, yeah, things went really, really well with Friendish. I mean, we had 10x growth in almost every category that matters daily active users, downloads, engagement. Um, retention, our, our numbers really shot up through the roof and made things just a lot more successful for us. You know, we have we have a graph, we have a few graphs that go up and to the right now. They may be coming back down, but at least at the end of August, you know, we had really good looking metrics that were shooting up and showing really good uh, positive signs of traction and growth, which is really what investors care most about. So, um, you know, stop me whenever you want, because I could just go on, <laughs> and on and on about this experience. Um. yeah, should I keep going or you want me to pause because well, I have so much I could say about it? We'll, we'll take a
0: pause right now because I, I feel like you're, 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 you know, you have so much topics of interest we want to get, you know, dive into along the way. So we'll take a pause for now. But, um, you know, uh, Miss Offer is uh, one of the... Our first guest that came on the show, so, you know, she has the privilege of I will be there to gas her up. So I got to say what she didn't say. <laughs> and uh, that show that she was on was Apple's first ever produced live TV show. So she's a part of history. You know, she's, yes, very, she's right. very modest, won't say it, but I, I did my research. <laughs> but um, I think the cool thing about it, and I, I know there's probably a lot you can say, but you worked with Gary v, he He picked you um as the person to mentor and you know really help try to get your your um friendish that 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 funding so could you and it's probably gonna be hard but could you kind of just like tell us like how was it working with someone that has so much respect and credibility as you alluded to earlier and what did he personally kind of give you that helped you just be like you know what i'm in good hands
2: Well, the thing is about Gary, anyone who follows him or even knows him personally, he's pretty much the same online and offline. You know, Gary does a lot of content. He talks to his fans and followers and subscribers a lot. And so he's the same way in person. You know, he's a real deal kind of personality. And I think I learned most from him that, that, you know, you have to own your shit. Like you can't go into something. I don't know if I can say that on the show, but you do have to own your own stuff um and you know you can't go into something trying to mask some of the more unattractive parts of your story it's it's better if you own your inconsistencies or your issues or your weaknesses because if other people uncover them they're going to cripple you with them right and they're going to hone in on that weakness and they're going to expose it but if you come in and say like oh you know i have a hurt back but like you know my feet are really fast or whatever it is then people already know kind of what they're dealing with and so i think what before the show i was in a different space and i think i kind of had on these rose-colored glasses about like what tech was and what it was like to raise money and how things would go and after the show i think i just kind of emerged in a much more raw real place as a founder in terms of how we're going to be successful with friendish
0: interesting and um hold on wait paul before you before go you go into you know i, I okay, think you've been waiting for this we got to reward her. 'Cause I think that was money right there, right?
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the first of many gems. Um and that's, right. and that's really that's really cool that you came across that opportunity. Um, I wanna know, you know, uh we kind of talked offline that even when you came on the show the first time, this opportunity didn't present itself. So how did you kind of come across this opportunity and you know, what was the process to to get on the show? And I'm I'm pretty sure that a, a show like that, there's probably a bunch of uh competition that you had to beat on beat out to get there so uh you know how did you come across uh, the opportunity to beat out so many people
2: absolutely so there were tons and tons of applicants um the way i found out about the show was through my friend erica and she was just like oh you should help put orlando apps on the map apply for this show planet the apps right so i was like okay yeah what is this and so i applied i think it was in june and the following week one of the producers reached out to me and i was totally stoked right i see this number from l.a I don't have too many friends in LA and it's like, who is this? Who could it be? And it was, he's like, Oh, I am one of the producers from plan of the apps. We watched your video. So the original application was like a one minute video, like uploaded to YouTube and like an actual like online application. And I will say being ready with assets made it so much easier. So like when you're in anything, you always want to show proof of concept. So with tech, you know, the first thing people are going to ask you is for, you know, an executive summary or a one pager or a deck, or a teaser deck, or some sort of thing, some sort of messaging, right? They want to know, like, who are you? What are you doing? Why is it important? How are you going to do it better? And having the language around these, you know, things people are going to ask you makes it so much easier to apply for multiple things. It's the same thing with accelerators. Have all of that information ready so you can just fly through things and apply for everything quickly. Because if you don't, if you have to do it from scratch every single time, it's just going to, you know, take forever. So that was definitely helpful. So yeah, I did... Um, do the original application, and I had all the assets ready, and I had my video ready, so it, it was like a twenty-minute process to apply.
0: The message is right there. She's giving you free ones. She's giving you free ones um, <laughs> once again with, with with me being on deck for the questions. The, the, the theme is going to be gassing her up because once again, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like as an alumni, she she deserves to be honored. So she did this small—I mean, little small thing. I think there was like what the first ever TED Talk hosted in Orlando and we actually have the privilege of talking to not only the the first female to to, to talk on it, but the first one representing people of color in an industry that isn't really known for women of color in it. Could you kind of just, like, tell us, like, how did you prepare for that opportunity, and what was something in your your talk that you're really especially proud to convey to all the people that were watching you?
2: Well, you know, I think there was a TEDx Orlando, like, a decade ago or something i think there was another one so i'm not i have to check i don't on that know they because, were hyping
0: it. they said that was the first one in orlando that's i, that's an, I i'm looking at the paper right here
2: okay okay said. maybe all right maybe you're right anyway um so again relationship building is the name of any game so when you're in an industry it's really important to get to know who are the power players who are the people making decisions because when you establish good relationships with people and you have a reputation for being yourself whatever that might be when these opportunities come up, you get first dibs, right? People think of you. And particularly for me as a black woman tech founder in a place like Orlando, where there's not a ton of us, there's not a ton of us anyway. Um, but in a place like Orlando, it's, it's somewhat strategic because I get asked to do a lot of things because they're, you know, everybody wants that representation. People want diversity. They want to show that they're inclusive and that their community is also the same way. And so I get a lot of opportunity. So that actually came through a friend of a friend at the time, um, who was, you know, trying to get qualified people to apply to speak at TEDx. And so I got an introduction to one of the women who was organizing it, who we've also thus since become friends. And I submitted my application and kind of what I wanted to talk about. And a few weeks later I was offered a slot to speak
1: relationships are are very necessary in this in every industry
2: yep.
1: um so you know i'm glad that you're able to build your brand through these relationships and also you know we want to talk a little bit more about the app friendish uh mm-hmm. could you kind of for the for the we'll, we'll probably give a little brief in the intro but could you kind of describe like uh the changes that have gone through friendish um from when you Uh, last came on to now? What what has been updated? What have you changed? Uh, And how has it benefited uh, in the long run?
2: So there have been so many changes with our app. And I think anybody who uses tech or they work in tech, you know that you're always improving, you're always fixing, you're always editing or having some new iteration or new version. So a year ago, maybe a year and some change ago, Friendish was still swipe base you're still swiping on a lot of interest and we had a lot of content in the platform it was pretty buggy we were still trying to refine that process and then after the show like I said we didn't raise with um Lightspeed Ventures but during the show there was a lot of different iterations of the app because you know I would fly out to LA I would film with Gary and the team Gary would give me an assignment during the show I also had an opportunity to meet Sean Rad who's the chairman at Tinder So it was great to meet him and talk relationships and apps. And, you know, obviously Tinder, whether you hate them or love them, there's no denying their impact in the millennial dating space. Everyone knows Tinder for whatever reason. And so it was great to meet him and just kind of go back and forth with ideas about what we were doing. And so, you know, I would go film with Gary and then I would come back to Orlando and have to implement or execute on some of the things that we talked about, which proved very challenging for me because remember, we didn't have funding at this time. Really didn't have a team. It was really me and kind of some friends who would help here and there, and you know help me design things or whatever. So the app went through probably three or four iterations through the show. Then after the show wrapped, I raised 25k friends and family from a, a, a friend of mine whose father you know wanted to invest in Friendish. You know he really respected my hustle, still does. It's great. Um, so once we had a little bit of money in the bank, we were able to bring on new engineers um, to kind of revamp the app. So now instead of swiping on interest. You actually choose from a selection of a hundred interests in the main deck screen, and then you go on like choosing through people who have similar interests to you or not. So it is—it's it, changed a little bit. And and to be quite frank, you know, the engineers that we hired were the wrong fit for our company. And so I will say this again. I think I said this last time on the show that people are the most important part of running a business. So you know who you bring on to work with you and to help. Help you build your dream or your vision is so, so important because if they screw it up, you're screwed up and you have to spend time then fixing or paying for or hiring new people to go and iron out what should have been right in the first place. So be very careful when you bring people into your organization, because if you are leading the ship and you have a clear vision of what you want, you have to stand by that and you have to be almost just unflinching in your commitment to what your vision is because people will always try to skirt the issue or they'll try to take the easy way out or they'll try to do the easy option or say they didn't know or whatever so unfortunately the relationship with those engineers did not end well but it was a lesson learned for me and again make sure that the people you bring into your core organization are truly truly the right fit for your company or brand.
0: Right there once again. Right there once again. I, I remember you know I saw you a little bit tweeting about that, so I I understood the pain and great yeah. to hear you speak on it. Um, watching Planet of the Apps, you know when it came to the funding, one of the critical questions that um, the panel asks is kind of once friends are made, people leave the app, of course, because they they found their friends. Do you now have a an answer to what? Can kind of extend uh, the longevity of Friendish after people have made their initial friends and might say, well, okay, why do I need to yap?
2: Well, the thing is, production is a wonderful thing, right? Because there was so much that happened during that pitch and presentation that just didn't make the the chopping block. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was a lot of things that I said on the other side of that that, that, y- that you never saw. But I will say this, that I, it's my firm belief that friends are kind of like shoes in a way. You have different ones for different things. Like you have your core friends where it's like if something... Of magnitude happens in your life. Those are the people you can lean on them, right? You have your friends who will never go to a sports bar with you, but they're always down for like the art museum. Then you have your friends who are like up on a Saturday morning and they're like trying to run a marathon. Then you have your church friends and then you have your old friends from high school. You know, friends are, you know, they're very interchangeable. We have different ones for different things. And so I think, you know, When you look at a dating app or you look at a social platform, first and foremost, they all have terrible churn for the most part. Most dating apps, social apps have awful, awful churn, which is just how many people, like, you know, leave your app after downloading it, whatever. Um, And the truth is, is that theoretically, the same argument could be made for Tinder, right? Like, once you find a date... why would I ever go back, right? Once I find mm-hmm. someone I like to date, why would I, but guess what happens in Tinder? People go on a date and they hate the person, right? Or they they meet someone and they like sleep with them and then they're like, no, I'm done with them. Or they're, they're with somebody for three or four months and it fizzles out. And then a month later, they're like, maybe I'm gonna get back on here. The same is true for friendships, right? We all have limited time. We all are out here searching and wanting to connect with other people. But just because, you know, an app says this is a good match, it doesn't always end up that way in real life. And so I think a little extension of understanding would have been great from, from the the judges, because we all know how this works, right? We all know that just because you meet someone in an app doesn't mean it's going to be a long-term relationship. Now with Friendish, we hope that we can refine that process. We hope that we can find the science and the psychology and the tech and the user experience. And we find the perfect combination of all these things. And we actually solve the problem in our app so that when you match with someone and you meet them in real life, like by George you're so cool i'm so glad i met you. We hope that that does happen on friendish, but it takes a long time to get there. And i think anybody who's ever used a dating app or any sort of app to make friends or dates or whatever understands that i'm probably going to need to give this a few tries before i end up finding somebody who's actually cool that i'm actually that i actually really like. So.
0: Whew, amazing answer right there by the way just you know. So um what i wanted to ask you is this. Knowing what you know now do you really feel like that if you were to go back in front of that same panel that you could secure the funding?
2: That's a really great question, and I think at this stage, you know, so on something else that people didn't see is that again, I'm a firm believer in relationship building. So after the show, I wrote to all of the investors and everyone, production included, and just thanked them for their interest and their help and their feedback, uh, because even though we didn't secure the funding like that, that actually was not the most important part that came from the show. For me as a founder, I could feel that I grew. And I, I've lear- I learned so much through that experience. And actually, one of the, the investors wrote to me and said that, you know, hey, we loved you and we think that you're great. You just haven't actually proven with metrics that what you're building actually works. When you get to this specific metric, he gave it to me in an email, when you reach this number, call me back because we miss out on great opportunities all the time. And we would love to invest in you. We think that you're great. We just need proof that this is a sound financial decision for us. Because remember, this particular firm, you know, they write multi-million dollar checks. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 the kind of firm that they are. So, you know, on the other side of it, you have to also consider the the tough job of being a VC you know, this is other people's money that they've been entrusted with to go out and find good opportunities that are going to return really, really high um, returns for them. And so when they make mistakes, you know, that that reflects poorly on the entire firm. Right. And so then they have other repercussions that happen from that. So I think a lot of times in VC, it's easy, especially as a black woman founder, like the the statistics are appalling. You know, it's 0.2% of the VC funding that's out there goes to Black women, 0.2%. Anybody who's taken any math classes knows that that rounds down to zero. That's how little venture capital Black women founders get. And when you look at how startling that statistic is, I mean, I guess the question is like, well, why are you still here? <laughs> like, right? Why would you be doing something like this? But I do believe that you know, there is a lot of emphasis on Silicon Valley. There is a lot of emphasis on women founders, women funds, funds that invest specifically in women. Many of those are still, they still are talking about white women, right? A lot of people in Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, white women is enough for them that makes them diverse. Um, So we still have a long way to go. But my only point in saying that was that, you know, I do feel like I have a relationship of some degree with this particular firm. They know me. They've given me a metric and they've said, hey, if you can meet this, call us back because this is when you know what you built is working and we'd be more than happy to take a second look. So I guess the, the short answer is yes. Um, And the long answer is all the other stuff that was also important.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's an amazing answer, and I I have to commend you because you you always stand up for not only yourself, but representation. I think that's one of the coolest things about you is because even watching your episode, you know, it was so much diversity in it. You know, there was you, there was the the, the Asian American man that came on before, and then, of course, with a white woman. So it's nice to see that. You are still sending that message of positivity and growth. And I know in your last episode, you said that you want to be a, a role model to, to young um, African-American girls. and let them know that they, too, can get into a field and bring apart this diversity and change. And I think you're being a pioneer of it. And that's just not even me trying to gas you up yeah. as my current theme is. But, um, by the way, I, I you know, I, I forgot to ring this, but uh, it's still valid, I think, at this point.
2: <laughs> ring a ling a ling, ring a ling a <laughs> ling, ring the
0: alarm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I I guess one of the next questions I want to ask is: There's so much, you know, like you said, changes that have with Friendish, and, and the numbers have shot up since the show, and 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 of course, I'm sure your ideas, emotions have also increased. Could you kind of tell us, if if you can, like, what is your expectation for the future of Friendish, and what do you especially want to see roll out?
2: Yeah. So I um was on an emotional roller coaster after the show. You know, it's one of these things, anybody who's ever gone from having no exposure to some, because even Friendish wasn't a huge amount of exposure. It was, um, you know, I was on the homepage of iTunes and the homepage of the App Store, which is huge. That I mean, that kind of promotion is something that, you know, really good app developers, I mean, that have solid apps could only dream of. So the promotion was huge in that sense, but you know, it's not like I was on the view, right? Or I wasn't on like Good Morning America or something. So it's still limited. And um when you have any kind of success, you want more and more and more and more of it. And then you start to measure your value based on successes that are similar to the ones you just had, right? Like how many interviews can I get? How many emails? How many people are reaching out to me asking me for whatever? And so because we didn't raise, you know, the, the, half, the half a million we were looking to raise in a seed round, you know, and the the other person in my episode did raise. When people saw the show, it didn't matter because it was like, you're on this platform. So we still expect top caliber apps, you know, no matter whether you raise. So when they saw the show, they see you standing next. It's like, okay, well, you've been somewhat successful. And I think what people don't realize is that, yeah, you're looking, you're comparing an app, you're comparing another person who had a million dollars sitting in the bank compared to my 25k. And so people would come and download friendish and they weren't successful. They didn't have a good time. Right. And our app store reviews are still horrible. I don't even read them anymore. Um, people started writing to me, this is terrible. This sucks. Like you weren't ready for this. You shouldn't have done this. Right. And so people really just can be very cruel. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really hard for me. And I was running out of runway Um, I was running out of steam, right? I was really tired. Um, when I spoke to you guys last May, I had been working on friendish maybe like six, seven months prior to that as well. And so by the time this, this current, like July, a few months ago came around June, August, I was exhausted. I was really, really tired. I was running out of money. I was running out of steam. I was running out of energy and I also didn't have a job, right? So I didn't have any income really coming in. And around August, I was just in the dumps, right? I did not know what I was going to do, how I was going to survive, how I was going to make it out of this. And the feeling is like, you know, when you start doubting yourself, then other people start to doubt you too. And so the minute that energy shift changed within me, I could feel it because. My emails started trickling out, right? I wasn't hearing from 10 or 15 or 20 people a day talking about friendish and asking me to apply for this or that or the other. You know, I stopped getting opportunities. People stopped. And it wasn't so much that they did anything, but I changed because my energy was like plummeting. So I had to figure out how to survive and get a job. And so because I live in a job market that's very service-based and not professional-based, you know, not copywriting or digital marketing or anything like that, I started working at a call center because I could not find another job. Now, the call center was just like a whole nother world, right, because nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with call, call center work. I had worked at a call center before when I was like 18 or 19, back in, way back in the day. But for me, it just was, I felt humiliated. I felt disappointed in myself. I felt like that was the worst possible outcome. Like if somebody had asked me, in June before the show aired, what are you going to be doing in August? I would not have said I will be working at a call center. (laughs) That's for sure. Right. So that went on for about five weeks. I got another job recently, just recently as a copywriter, which is great. Love that job. The team is great, whatever. Um, but now I'm in a much more stable place. I think as a founder, also just as a human being, as a person who is really trying hard to build a business. And I think, like I said before, that the the shades have been pulled back from my eyes you know before when i started this you know it was like the dream you know and super you have to have a lot of belief in yourself and confidence that you can do this crazy wild thing that may not happen but you also have to be responsible and make sure that you can take care of yourself and survive and eat and pay your bills keep your lights on so um, um friendish is right now in a a reformatting place you know we are putting together a program, or I guess like just kind of content and assets called Friendish Next Gen, because now we're really shifting the focus away from dating. Um, I'll say this other thing too, because I know this is kind of like a long bit of a segment. But mm-hmm. seeing myself on the show, I realized that I had this very frantic energy. Right? It was like part confidence, part scared to shit, part fanatical. Right? And and that. And the stakes were very high for me, right? Because if I had left with $500,000 and investment partners, I would have been uncontrollable. I would have been, would have been like, my head would have been spinning for probably like two weeks straight. Um, but the, the stakes were much higher for me. And so that's why I had that kind of energy. Now that I've come off of that high, I've come back, kind of been humbled a little bit as well. I realized that I made a cardinal mistake in associating friendish with Tinder from the outset. And then people couldn't de-link that association. So I went and said, oh, we're a friending app, we're a friending app. We're not like this dating app, the dating app that everybody knows and is now gonna compare you to. And so instead of talking about that, the, the the thing is is that there's a billion people on Facebook groups. There's millions of people using Meetup right now, right? There are other platforms that are really trying to focus on friendship and connecting people based on shared ideas or interests that are much more relevant to what we're doing. So that's actually the market validation in Tinder, and all the other dating apps, that's great. They can keep helping people find dates. But Friendish is really established for people trying to find friends and build community. And so that's really where our focus is. So now, Friendish Next Gen is really trying to debundle these ideas. Like we're asking ourselves questions like, do you have to join a group to make a friend? Because Facebook and Meetup say that you do, right? Um, you know, what about the frequency of seeing a person? Like, does that help strengthen relationships? Like you know, is, is an interest or five or 10 of them, is that enough to actually be friends with somebody? And I don't know that it is. And so now we're really thinking much more clearly and specifically and intentional intentionally, excuse me, about what we're trying to build. And I think that comes from having this wild exposure in this moment in the show and the celebrities and all of that, and not being successful and having the crash and then trying to build something back up that's stronger and more stable from the ground up, you know,
0: Yeah. And that was a whole lot to digest. And I, there's so many uh, segments that could be commented, commented on. And I just want to say, I applaud you for dealing with that toxicity, you know, as best you could and and taking time to step back and kind of get a refresher and and refocus on what matters the most to you and how you can actually put friendish at even more of an advantage um, than it was before you had the ability to see yourself on the show.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, um, so, so my my question was, you know, since the time we were last on to now, uh, Friendish was kind of like a, you know, didn't have as many users as it did now. So, I just kind of wanted to know, uh, has your app reached, you know, uh, multiple states and even uh, countries at this point?
2: Yeah, so that's actually part of our problem. We do have quite a few users, users who I will be honest and saying are not very satisfied, but they still, you know, downloaded Friendish, which I'm super grateful for. Uh, but we have a lot of users all over the place, right? But it's like they're sprinkled in, you know, this location in Omaha and Detroit and, you know, Orlando, Miami. And so the, the connections aren't close enough for people to actually get the value from the app that they're looking for. And so like I said earlier, People have written in and been very upset and very not pleased with the experience, but that's a part of it. So if you are looking to build an app, know that people will hate what you build, but you should be grateful when people tell you what they hate because they're actually going to help you refine your UX to get to a place that actually serves the needs of your most passionate users. And so uh, while it can be hard to take that feedback, you know, you have to have a, t- a, a thick skin and appreciate, listen to what they're saying, Right, the underlying thing they may be very frustrated and say something one way but the message underneath that says oh i need a way to do x right i need an easier way to do y and so if you are a you know in tune developer or visionary or ux designer ui designer whatever you can then take that feedback and apply it to what you build and hopefully solve the problem that you're trying to solve anyway so yeah
0: and that is incredible i'd the thing that 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 really always gets me is like i i know first time from talking to you on the show and then of course seeing you on twitter like how much work you put in how much friendship means to you and i think one of the things when it comes to entrepreneurs being entrepreneurs, people fall in love with the idea of you know being their own boss, setting their own deadlines and all this, but they don't understand the hard work commitment it takes. And it's really had an effect on you because you have to balance, you know, you're, you're, you're being a CEO of, of, of Frenish and also being just Chandra. Like, could you kind of tell us like, how's it been trying to make sure that you have time to be yourself, but also oversee this huge project in your own creation? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Right now, I'll be honest, I'm not doing a very good job of it. Um, it is, it is more exhausting than you could ever imagine. And, um, you know, it is important to take time for yourself, but I'm just not at the place now where I really can, to be honest. Um, there's just so, so much going on and I have other projects. I do try to work out regularly at least three to four times a week. I try to sleep enough, drink enough water. Um, get outside with my dog without my phone, at least, you know, for a few, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour a day. Um, cause she needs it too, that one-on-one time, but, um, it's important to take care of your own health and mental health and unplug if you can. But I think rest or relaxation is, is also a luxury. I think we're in a culture that talks a lot about self-care, but we don't talk about what a luxury it is for people. Many, many of us are working multiple jobs or we're working one main job and working on a dream at night or on the weekends. And sometimes you just don't have the time to put on a mask and watch Insecure. Um, Now, I do make time for Insecure because that show is bomb. (laughs) So Issa Rae, girl, if you're listening, please put me on the show. You need an episode about friends, trying to make new friends. Like if Molly moves to Chicago, girl, y'all need to get on Friendish. Hit me up. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I do make time for Insecure, but typically I don't have a ton of, like, time for myself for leisure because I'm I'm very busy with Friendish and I've got some other projects I'm working on, too.
1: Hey, Issa Ray, if you're listening, put us on the show as well. So just, just <laughs> trying to get our shops out there. Riding
0: so. like, the coattails. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> we, we out here getting cameos, bro. <laughs>
1: you never know. You never That's right. know.
2: You don't. You really don't.
1: Okay. um, Well, I know you had mentioned the um, black uh, uh, tech group in Orlando. Um, I don't know if you guys talked about that, but if you can, can you give us uh, the update on, you know, your involvement with that group and, you know, how that uh, movement is also helping your brand?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So black Orlando tech was another brainchild that I had uh, last November. I think it was a friend of mine, Isaiah and I were just having coffee at Stardust, the local coffee shop here, and we were just talking about how there wasn't really an organization here devoted to black creatives or black people in technology. We have Orlando Tech Association and a few other, you know, groups that are committed to trying to foster collaboration within our tech community and our city, Uh, but there was nothing really that had a presence for black people, and we thought that that was a problem. So Isaiah actually invited a few more people, Josh, Felix, and Shanika, and then the five of us later that that evening or the next time we met at Stardust, we just said, OK, like we're going to have a black organization devoted to people in tech. Like, what are we going to call it? You know, one of these stories. And um, we ended up calling it Black Orlando Tech. We we toyed around with a few different names, but we decided on Black Orlando Tech because we wanted it to be representative of our community. And we actually had a person in the group who was like, should we call it black? Like, that's is that too strong? Is it going to isolate people? And most of us were really very committed to feeling comfortable using the word black because all too often, I think, you know, as minorities, we're already made to feel bad about being who we are, right? And that our culture is the one that we have to hide ourselves or we can only bring 50% of ourselves to work or we have to comb our hair or like take off our head wrap or pull back our dreads or whatever. And it's like, you know, we're in 2017, we're proud to be black but not at the expense of anybody else's culture. Right. Like, so being pro black is not being anti anything else. It's just being happy and proud of who we are. So we, you know, ended up all agreeing that black Orlando tech was in fact the right name for it. And, um, since then we've had some really great meetups and turnouts, and we've had really uh, good organic community building here in Orlando. Recently, our last meetup before the unfortunate storm, you know, decimated parts of the Caribbean and and South Florida we actually had Felicia Hatcher come up and speak from Black Tech Week, who is just incredible. The things that Felicia has been able to do with Code Fever and Miami, as well as Black Tech Week and uh, the Knight Foundation as well. They recently got a grant from them is just incredible. She's really, really, truly a pioneer of like tech and, and black people coming together collaborative economics she's really doing amazing things if you don't know about her you should check her out her name is felicia hatcher but we had her come up and uh, speak at our last meetup in september so it was a real honor to be able to interview her and i'm very very proud of what we've been able to build in a short amount of time with um black orlando tech
0: and that is something that you should definitely be proud of my goodness the time just keeps going and <laughs> we have reached the end of the interview we have to hit you with the famous educator's of two fees that you already <laughs> know and love but yes. of course as a refresher the first one is always easy because you let our audience know how they can reach you
2: definitely so if you guys want to reach out to me please email me chandra at friendishapp.com You can also find me on Twitter at C Arthur girl. Um, Also Chandra Arthur on Instagram. And I would love to hear from any of you.
0: Exactly. And you know, the best things about her, she has options, people. She has options. (laughs) So now the second, you know, last question, no pressure. Just the the last words that our people are going to hear from you for, for today's interview. No, No pressure though. What? is some parting words of wisdom that you could leave with us again for the second time?
2: Wow, this is a loaded big question. But a loaded big I, question. If I had just some words of wisdom is, the first thing I would say for aspiring entrepreneurs or people who want to build businesses is just start. All the other stuff is the peripheralist. Just start, build something that people love. And then the second words of wisdom or second part of that would be, be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't let other people pressure you into being a somewhat edited version of yourself, but be true to who you are and bring your energy and bring your whole self to anything that you care about because that will resonate with the right types of people and you'll be able to to just do more and have to fake it a lot less.
0: There you go right there. Oh my Alexis. goodness. <laughs> once again back on still dropping gems still shattering the glasses and, and uh, what we hope is not the final time i we really do hope that you you come back on and have more wisdom to share with us but we just appreciate you having on and it's always great to get our alumni back so we can get into fields and just remember the good old simple times right
2: yes i'm always happy to come back anytime you guys will have me and be happy to to chat with y'all
0: and
1: there you have it folks that was our second Educated Hustle reunion featuring Chandra Arthur. Uh, Emilio, what you think about it, man?
0: Man, just good stuff, good times. It's always great to get reacquainted with old friends. And Chandra had a story to tell, man. There was a lot of journey. There was a lot of growth. It just she's She's learned so much since she's last- grace these educate hustle halls and we're just um, we're just proud of her we're, we're excited about where she's going and, and how she's able to kind of get on track and not only rebrand french but also just rebrand herself and have that fire and motivation i mean it's got to help when you got gary v in your phone right you know it must it must be cool to know you're, you're like one text away from getting in contact with someone that credible so yeah I, 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 overall amazing amazing time
1: I agree, man. Um, you know, we're about highlighting growth and uh, people who are establishing themselves, their brand, learning from the ups and downs, trials and tribulations. Uh, that just makes people's stories better to tell and stronger. And I think that's what you got with Chandra. She's, you know, going to believe in her brand. She's going to fight for it. Um, And that only leads into better opportunities for the future. So um, I think a key theme from this episode is that relationships are key, man. She indicated a couple standpoints where uh, her relationships got her in the door and led to bigger and better things. So, you know, that's what we're trying to preach on this show for our listeners is uh, keep pushing. Do whatever you're going through. Make sure you build those relationships And. Don't just kind of have a number just to call, but you want to get to know that person or get to know somebody who's in your field on a personal level, so that when an opportunity does come up, you're top of mind.
0: Well, then if, if you want to part of words, you just had to say, "You had to say <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that boy said,
1: "I stole his thunder." Nah, mind. there
0: was no thunder to be stolen. You had, you had to take. No, but anyways. Going off the relationships are key. Of course, one way to foster relationships is communication. And what better way to communicate with us than by using these various channels? Yes channels educate us can reach a variety of different means on social media we are on snapchat at educate hustle that's all one word educate hustle there we post snaps behind the scenes videos episodes coming out during the week and us having fun just to get you hype and of course motivated for the week to come we are also on instagram at educate hustle podcast once again that is educate hustle podcast there we post Pictures, highlight episodes that come out this week, and if you're really, 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 really lucky, Paul will drop some words of wisdom as he just did right there for you to get motivated and get hyped to keep your week going. Now we are also on Facebook. You can like our page simply by searching "Educate Hustle." That's two words, "Educate Hustle." You know you've reached the right page because you'll see the logo that you guys all know and love. Let me take a break from that plugging to get into some more plugging. If you have not already, please, 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 please rate and review the show on Apple. Podcast is so easy. If you're on the phone, there's a podcast out purple with the mic. If you're on the computer, you can download iTunes and then search Educate Hustle. You'll see our show logo. Click on that show logo. And then if you scroll down a little bit, there's a writer review section. Hit that writer review, and all you have to do is deliver us your choice of stars. We recommend five, but of course, it's always up to you. Then put a title for your review and I put a review description. It can be something short and sweet as it's lit, or something long, deep, and connecting, like it's still lit. We'll take all please, please, please you haven't already written Viewers, because when you do that the show awareness goes up that means then we get better guests and that means you guys get better episodes so please 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 rate and review us yeah time to get back to my originally scheduled programming if you want to follow us on twitter you can do so at educator underscore hustle that's probably one of the best ways to reach us because it goes right to our phone we do daily interactions and of course tell you about episodes upcoming and what we're doing at the present day or time and last but not least, if you really like the show what we believe and what we're doing, do not hesitate to reach out by emailing us at educatehustlepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is educatehustlepodcast at gmail.com.
1: Yes, sir. And as always, man, lead us out, man, lead us out.
0: I was just going to tell Alyssa to rewind to what you just said. Like <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> no, people, um, people, 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 of course, of course. It's always great to reconnect with old friends. But also let that time and let that period of reconnect and remind you what you're working for, what you're striving on. The coolest thing about Chandra is from what she said in our first interview to now, you can tell she's growing. She's still working and she's going hard at it. She never let her waver determination, you know. Falter. She was on an Apple show, his first ever TV show. She hosted a TED talk about a tech industry that has very few women of color presenting she's done all these amazing things and yet she's still humble yet she's still hungry and you have to use that as your motivation it's very easy to give up on ideas but it's even harder to see them through and keep working with them and chandra is an excellent example of what happens when you keep working through something you know what she may have not been in the place that she envisioned herself to be but she's in the place she just needs to be has gary being a phone has other people helping her out looking into her trying to get involved in what she's bringing and there's a lot of you guys who can do the same thing you just need that passion And that motivation and that determination to get it there. So I salute to all of y'all and hope that as you continue your journey for the hustle, that you keep it strong and you keep it real. And as always,
1: you gotta stay educated and keep hustling. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
2: Lucky?